Good morning, and welcome to the Blockade Runner Podcast. My name is John, and joining me this morning is Ryan and Ryan's cat. What's up, Ryan? <laughs> Good morning. I just I just took her down. <laughs> okay, that sounds a little aggressive. Uh, you you picked her up and, and placed her somewhere else besides your yes, and I snuggled her a little bit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because <laughs> it sounded like maybe you did like a I don't know German suplex on her. Or something. <laughs> I gave her a big anything. chop to the back of the <laughs> neck. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, yeah, so, no. um, anyway, we are back this morning to, um, talk about 1997, all things Star Wars in 1997. This is, uh, the next entry in our Power of the 90s, uh, series covering the 90s in Star Wars. So if you're somebody who's been listening to all of our Power of the 90s episodes, we appreciate it. And we are back for 1997, which of course is a year packed full of, um, big Star Wars stuff. We've been saying since we started this series that, uh, each year, Star Wars is kind of like really building up more and more. Of course, we're headed towards 99 and the prequel movies, which we kind of did our first Star Wars Power of the 90s 1999 episode a week or two ago when we covered the beginning documentary from the Phantom Menace um, DVD. But we will be doing a bunch of episodes on 1999 throughout the year, and we're just going to finish up looking at 1997 today and 1998 soon, and then it'll be all 1999. But in any case, if you're interested in uh, watching or listening to more of our coverage of Star Wars in the 90s, check out our website, blockaderunnerpodcast.com, and click on the Power of the 90s tab right there at the top, and you will find all of our episodes, videos, etc., covering Star Wars in the 90s. Okay, so now we're talking 1997. We're going to look at the books. We're going to look at the comics. We're going to look at the games. We're going to look at the toys. Um, all of that stuff as it relates to Star Wars in 1997. For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars the only way it's been possible, on the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way, you haven't seen it at all. Now, for its 20th anniversary, the adventure of a lifetime returns to the big screen in a way you've never seen before. There'll be no one to stop us this time. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. With newly enhanced visual effects. They're coming in too fast! VHX and digital sound. And a few new surprises. Look, Jabba, next time you want to talk to me, come see me yourself. Here they come! This January, George Lucas and 20th Century Fox invite you to welcome back Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Chewbacca, C-3PO, and R2-D2. Finally, the motion picture event, the way it was meant to be experienced. This will be a day long remembered. As the entire Star Wars trilogy returns. On January 31st, Star Wars. On February 21st, The Empire Strikes Back. Then on March 7th, Return of the Jedi. Move closer! For a whole new generation who have yet to experience it on the big screen. And for everyone else to experience it again. is our last hope. No, there is another. The Star Wars Trilogy, Special Edition. See it again for the first time. 
force will be with you, always. All right. Um, so let's jump into sort of like really the main event for 97, which is the Star Wars Special Edition. Mm-hmm. And um, man, yeah, what a what a what a historic kind of period in Star Wars history. Uh, we had the THX re-releases of Star Wars on VHS and Laserdisc previously, which we talked about. But, you know, the special edition back in the theaters, winter of 97. Uh, I very vividly remember these re-releases and going to the Cherry Vale Outdoor Theater to see um, two of the three. And it really, it's really lame that I didn't see all three um, that year. I only saw two of the three. So, um, but, I, but I, I vividly remember that. It was really exciting. And, uh, yes, just like a huge, huge kind of um, marker in Star Wars history, the Star Wars Special Edition um, being released in theaters in winter of of 97. So um, the first one came out January 31st, uh, the second on February 14th. Um, I call it the first and the second. I should say Star Wars came out on January 31st. (laughs) The Empire Strikes Back came out on February 14th, and Return of the Jedi on March 14th. So... um, yeah, obviously everybody knows what the Star Wars Special Edition is, but, um, you know, for a lot of, like, we were, what, uh, would have been 15 mm-hmm. in 97? Yeah. I would actually have been 14 years old at this time. Okay. Yeah, I would have turned I would have turned 15 uh, later in the year. So, like, obviously I've never seen Star Wars in the theater before. Um, and, you know, the THX re-releases and some of the other kind of content, Power of the Force 2, um, stuff like that was, you know, I think instrumental into building an interest in Star Wars for me. But this has to be like winter, early 1997 special edition re-releases. I think this has to be, besides the release of The Phantom Menace, this has to be maybe the most important, you know, moment in terms of turning me into a Star Wars fan. It's just like can't be overstated, like what a big deal this was to have these movies uh, in movie theaters again for, you know, I think people our age and younger um, who had, hadn't been around for the original uh, theatrical releases. Yeah. Like I feel like this, um, these theatrical re-releases um, did a lot of things. First, I think they like legitimized the films as like all time classics, like because, you know, a movie coming back to theaters was like a big deal. Like, I mean, like, the only other movie I'd known at that time to, like, come back to theaters is, like, Gone with the Wind. I remember, like, Gone with the Wind getting, like, a theatrical re-release at some point in the 90s. And um, and then, like, it was like that and Star Wars. And um, I think it also... um, like really brought the conversation um like it it brought star wars to conversation within like the mainstream like it star wars became a thing that like people were talking about because people talk about movies that are in the theater like that has you know always been um the case but i think like the strongest part of it for me um was the Uh, community aspect of it because it was like this was my first time going into a room filled with like hardcore Star Wars fans 
Um, because I remember seeing, um, I believe I saw all three, um, again at the Cherryville theaters. The one I remember the best was, um, I went with, uh, my, my friend Mike. I think we, I think we went to all of them, but like the most specific memory I have is from Return of the Jedi. Um, I went with uh, my friend Mike to the Cherryville Theater. Um, you know, it was a it was a packed theater. Um, people like had had brought like toy lightsabers um, in and stuff. Um, and then um, there, when we got like it was like cheering when the credits when the, like the opening crawl came on. Like I mean, it was like just the amount of energy there was uh was amazing um and then i remember at the point when uh when when yoda was uh when yoda died um someone in the crowd yelled i love you yoda and <laughs> um i remember like at uh at at the time like it felt like the experience what it felt like being at like a concert like it it felt like being at a show um you know people were cheering people were yelling um i would absolutely 100% not have the patience for that now uh <laughs> but uh like um at the time like it felt just like really special um and uh yeah and i think like again like you like you mentioned it was like a very uh pivotal uh moment um as a, as a fan for me in star wars history it's so interesting you say that like that it's like this communal thing because it's totally true and and the thing about it is that it, and i didn't i don't think i was as aware at the time as it sounds like you were um and, and it, like it was having the impact on me, but I wasn't like cognizant of, of what was happening, I guess. Like, so you say you, you went in and people are cheering and, and, and doing all those things. I'm sure that I noticed that. Um, but I think what it did is seeing those movies in the theater, like the point that you made about how it's not like a bunch of, you know, movies from the past we had seen re-releases of in this way and that it was a standard common thing. Um, it was rare. And I think being able to go see them in the theater and then seeing the way people reacted to them and like the community that sprung up around it and that sort of stuff, like it, it was something that, um, that really demonstrated like how important star Wars is and, and what a big deal it is and just made it feel like something really monumental and special. And, you know, I mean, seeing the movie in the theater instead of seeing it on TV on the USA network or something like, first off, that's a whole different experience. There was that, you know, still goosebumps, uh, inducing trailer or commercial or whatever, where it's like showing the X-Wing coming out of the TV and saying, if you haven't seen Star Wars on the big screen, you know, you haven't seen it at all. Um, that, 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 I think that was the, the commercial for the special edition re-releases, right? Like this is your chance to go see them in the theater. Um, it was such a big deal, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I feel like now 
since the prequels came out and, and, and obviously now again in this era for sure, there's a lot of opportunities for us to have these like communal Star Wars experiences. And there's a lot of opportunities to realize like how important Star Wars is in a lot of people's lives. But, you know, at that time, um, this would have been probably one of the first and, and, uh, or one, uh, one of, I guess, at least you could say a rare opportunity to have that experience, you know, at that time in 97. So, um, yeah, just a huge deal on a number, like on a lot of levels. It's also, a, you know, preserved the movies um, to a certain, well, not to, I shouldn't say to a certain extent, but, you know, depending on, on how you kind of take the official Lucasfilm, um, you know, commentary on that, that the films were degrading and that they, you know, had to save them. And in the process of saving them, you know, created these special editions. Like, I'm sure it's true that they were in really rough shape and that restoring them and, and fixing them up and stuff, um, the way they did is, uh, it was instrumental to keeping like good, um, versions of the films around. Um, but at the same time now they, they kind of, or George anyways, has used that to say, we can't re-release the original versions of the movies because when we kind of restored them, we created the special editions and like now that's like the only thing that we can do. Um, Which maybe tough to accept, but it's <laughs> not true because they did those DVD releases. <laughs> well, yeah, but those aren't like cleaned up really. They don't look very good. That's, um, Oh yeah. I see your point. I mean, they're cleaned up to a certain extent, but they, yeah, I but think like, just those like, can be cleaned up yeah, and yeah. they have been because we know that there is a 4k release of, a new hope sitting and at Fox right now, just Seems waiting be... for that uh, Disney merger to go through. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. 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 Who knows? But, but uh, you know, it's like part, but, but, but again, I mean, that's, that's actually something that I really love and appreciate about star Wars. And you can call me a, like a, you know, ridiculous apologist or whatever, but that's also part of the mystique and, and the building of star Wars up into this like monumental, like huge thing, you know, like, I don't know. The fact that the original versions of these movies haven't been really widely available in so long. And, you know, if they do bring them back at some point, it's like going to feel like that much of a bigger, you know, a bigger deal or whatever. But just like the storytelling, you know, in the the real world storytelling around the making of the movies and the impact of the movies and um, in telling the story about how it had to be saved. Like they were, we we went back to these negatives and they were in, brutal shape and if we hadn't saved them now they would never be saved and all that stuff just made it all feel so huge you know what i mean um so yeah just just such a big deal and and such a cool thing um and yeah like i said these special edition re-releases i think are part of what really brought me back into star wars so um i had been getting into it you know I, I definitely been getting into it, and I remember, you know, I had the THX versions of the movies on VHS. I was a Star Wars fan. I was I had Star Wars books and, I, and toys and stuff. But I think, you know, it was like another major step, like seeing them in the theater and and knowing the prequels were coming out. All this stuff it was really building at this point in '97 in a, in a really cool way. So yeah, um, I I also just want to contextualize something um, here. I don't know what the and I'm I'm like your mileage may vary on this but i remember the um the experience of the the special edition content the added scenes the added um cg and stuff i remember that being extremely cool 
and the conversation around it, at least within like my friend group and, um, you know, like the, the, um, like comic shop I went to and like everything I can remember, um, it was like pretty positive. Um, but like, as we know now, like, um, it's, I think like the special edition editions are not viewed favorably. I don't know. I actually don't really know. I see, but there's a lot of, I do see like a lot of negativity around them. And I have been seeing that for like, you know, years. Um, like, uh, but at the time I remember it being like very, um, very cool. And, uh, welcome additions yeah i remember that too i remember uh I, I remember feeling like the in in a new hope the yavin like the death star run thing with the the cg x-wings and all that yeah. like i remember thinking that looked really good yeah and it was really cool and yeah i mean i think obviously part of it is just the fact that the other versions have not been available i think if they had been available more readily and they hadn't been this like thing that george and lucasfilm you know tried to bury so that only the special editions, like those were the only versions people would see. I think that they would be, um, there wouldn't be as much hatred towards the special edition. And Mm -hmm. then I also think that like the temperature that we take on this kind of stuff is like from the super invested, like ultra hardcore Star Wars fan community or whatever. And Mm -hmm. maybe within that community, yeah, they're probably considered like looked at in a little bit like lower light than, you know, just standard, you know, moviegoers or whatever. But I think George is, probably right that if you just put a star wars movie on for like a kid or for somebody who never watched them in the past or whatever um i would imagine they would probably like the special edition much more i mean it has improved uh special effects uh you know sequences like cloud city have you know much more you know it's they're more dynamic there's more going on and mm-hmm. um those establishing you know, I just, shots are great yeah. yeah i just i i think that for the vast majority of people um the special editions would be the preferable uh versions so you know, I think today we want to celebrate the special editions on this episode, you know, yeah. 97. It's like this was a really fun time and um, there's really cool stuff in this in these movies. And, you know, there's another conversation we could have about the whole, I don't know, legacy of, of them and, and, you know, kind of the other component of it, which is like high quality versions of the original films, which I think should be preserved, obviously, yeah. and should be available. But but I still love the special editions. And for me, it's just like it's a, it's it's hard to say, like it's a little bit of a. I don't want to say a mixed bag, but there's stuff in the special editions I think are fantastic and really, really good. And then there's some things they change that I think are not great, you know, um, or just don't really hold up either. Yeah. It's part of the issue. Let's you know? but, let's uh, let's do a lightning round here. What's one thing you love about special editions, and one thing you could do without? Okay. Um, well, like I said, I already I already said I, I love the uh, the X wing sequence um, mm-hmm. and just seeing those CG x-wings and 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 that stuff in in uh, a new hope and one thing i could do without 110,000 percent is the um the jabba's palace dance mm-hmm. sequence um and in that song uh mm-hmm. i just prefer yeah the original but uh how about you um i would say probably um all the additions to uh most Eisley and kind of filling that out, um, like the, the extra dobacks, and um, there's there's like more aliens, right? 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think like that stuff is the coolest. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty unanimous. I don't want to like steal your answer, but the uh, the song could uh, could go. <laughs> song yeah. could go. Yeah. 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 And well, and then speaking of songs in Return of the Jedi, you know, there's the whole like Yub Nub, like Ewok celebration song mm-hmm. um, at the end of Return of the Jedi. But that one to me is is like, I I like both of them a lot, you know? Yeah. So that's one where it's like, I just want the other version to still exist. And yeah, I have it. You know what I mean? I can watch the other version in a variety of ways. So it's not that big of a deal. But um, it, it's just, it, it's sort of like, I think what's happened with the special editions is they have been, at least from official sources, sort of placed as the version of the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is the version of the movie. It's the superior version of the movie. You don't need the other. You don't want the other. You can't have the other. Um, and you know what? Like, you can. They're not that hard to find. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you can get them on a variety of formats, whatever. It's fine. Um, but I think if there was just more of a uh, an acknowledgement or um, – yeah just more of a, a more acceptance of the fact that like no there's the special edition and they've been changed in significant ways and you know they're better in some ways and you may prefer them in some ways but also here's the other version you mm-hmm. know um i think then i would care a lot less about uh, a lot of that stuff but uh, you know i i watch the special editions all the time that's the version that's on blu-ray that's yep. the version i watch most of the time and um but i will tell you this um i have gone back and watched previous versions recently and there is something really cool about that as well so um and 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 you start to notice like the most Eisley sequence in a new hope it's really different it's not just like the establishing shots and like certain things that 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 take place you know um that are really cg you know, heavy and, and like really obviously changed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a bunch of creatures that are not there in the special edition yeah. version and they've been replaced with, you know, more modern or, or better special effects or whatever. And it's just like when you see those original creatures again and the original yeah. special effects again and stuff, it's like, that's cool too. That you know is I mean? cool so, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, they're great. Special editions are great. Mm-hmm. You know, one flavor of Star Wars Mm-hmm. There's other flavors out there too, and those are also great. But, um, but I think you know, for this episode, what's most important is just, it was such a cool time and such a huge experience for for Star Wars and Star Wars fans to have those movies back in the theater. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, uh, the lost uh, or the deleted sequence from A New Hope featuring Biggs um, on Tatooine was screened for the first time at Comic Con in San Diego in mm-hmm. June uh, uh, on June nineteenth. Um, and again, to me, I look at that and I'm just like, this is an era in which the importance of star Wars and sort of like building up the hype around these being these like really mythic and monumental movies. I don't mean mythic in terms of like the type of storytelling, but I mean, mythic in terms of like in our reality, like Mm -hmm. these, these movies have this like huge weight and just like, like we're going to show you something from star Wars, the movie, you know, so well, and you've never seen it before. And like, Whoa, that's a big deal. You know? Yeah. And it was like, it was also like, this was the scene that it was rumored. Like it was like a, le- like a, like a schoolyard legend that there's like this scene in star Wars with, uh, with Biggs and Luke talking and like hanging out. But like, no one's ever seen it and Mm -hmm. like 
I remember there being like talk about this. I don't know if it was like, I don't know where I would have heard about it, but maybe it was like a, like a wizard magazine article, um, or like a, I don't know, like a Kevin Smith interview or something like whatever my sources were at that time, like that was definitely, it was definitely something that was talked about. And then it was like, okay, now people have seen it. Like, (laughs) like that's crazy. And then, I mean, it would be, I don't know when I first saw this scene, when would have been the first time that like, us common folk had access to this. I don't know because uh, the behind the, what was that document or that uh, CD-ROM? Didn't that already come out previous to this behind the magic or the myth and the magic or whatever? I think we talked about that on a previous episode mm. that had some deleted stuff in it, right? Or maybe not. Maybe that hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Um, Did they put it up on like starwars.com maybe? I don't know. Because I remember I watched it on a computer. The first time I saw it was on a computer. I remember that much. Well, see, that's what I'm thinking. In like a on small that. window. <laughs> yeah, I remember that CD-ROM. Like the yeah. Behind the Magic or the Myth and the Magic or something like that. Um, and I think it would have been there maybe. Um, I can't. It can't have been before this. I don't think that it was put up on on like a CD ROM or anything like that. Because um, I'm reading about it here in the year by year book, and um, I guess at Comic Con, you know, people were hoping for some information about Phantom Menace. And um, Steve Sansweet, who was working for Lucasfilm at the time um, in fan relations, was uh, he couldn't give them that, but he was able to give them the first and uh, first ever and only public screening screening of. Um, this big dark lighter scene. So if they could just watch that on their multimedia CD ROM or whatever at home on their computer, like, I feel like that wouldn't have been such a big deal. So, um, I don't know though. I'm not sure. Um, cause this is obviously before the era of deleted scenes on DVDs and stuff like that. So, you know, um, we wouldn't, have, I don't know how else we could have seen it. Um, I yeah. think that CD ROM I'm, I'm assuming I know that had deleted scenes. I don't even know if that specific scene was on there. Yeah. Um, so I guess we're not uh, as prepared as we could be on this one. But, no, and um, I'm thinking about, like, how I saw it. Um, like, if it wasn't on StarWars.com, then I probably illegally downloaded it from somewhere in, like, the late 90s. Yeah, um, it could be. Because, yeah, I remember watching it on a computer. That's all I remember. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, later in 97, in the lead up to the VHS release, which we'll talk about in a second here, mm-hmm. um, StarWars.com put up the Anatomy of a Dewback um, documentary in five parts um, every day on StarWars.com, uh, which is a really cool concept. And I think that's um, pretty forward thinking at the time. Um, would have been probably a arduous process to access that content um, online at that time over dial-up. I mean, I'm sure it was like a very low resolution, um, high buffering scenario there to watch that online at the time. Mm -hmm. But, uh, still I feel like watching videos online in 97 was, um, that was pretty brutal. I don't know. Were you using real player to watch this? I wonder, or Mm, uh, who knows? Yeah, probably. Man, that stuff was really painful at the time. Trying to watch stuff online was brutal. Um, to borrow a phrase from, from your neck of the woods there, Ryan, um, that was brutal, but, um, really cool. And this is something that's like on the, 
Blu-ray release, Anatomy of a Dewback, and is uh, is um, it's on the digital release as well if you buy the movie on iTunes or wherever. So um, one you can go back and watch, but it's a just a, a documentary about how they created the um, the digital uh, digital creatures for the special edition release of Star Wars. So that is cool and mm-hmm. uh, something that's been widely available um, for a long time since. So. Yeah. Uh, but then last thing about the special editions here, which is really cool, um, is the release of the special edition trilogy on VHS and, um, they were released on widescreen and in pan and scan. And this is so cool. Only available at retail for 97 days. Yes. Maybe, (laughs) maybe we should do that with this episode. You know, we should put it up and like, you, you can only, you can only get this episode for 97 days. Then we're taking it down. I'm cool with that. Okay. Maybe we'll, well we're not going to do that. But okay. um <laughs> we'll forget. We have a countdown. Like we'll 100% a countdown. Like, we'd forget. Oh my god. Yeah. Only Your last days chance left to download this episode that you weren't planning on downloading anyway, you know? Like let's go. Well, we could um, build some excitement around it. But yeah, that is that is a cool thing. It's it's a Disney Vault uh type plan, you know, that they mm-hmm. had uh for the VHS tapes at the time i would assume that they became available again i don't know um after that they uh, they had to have or they just shipped so many um (laughs) because like in perpetuity (laughs) yeah like these are not rare like you would think with like that um limited of a time um that they would be like hard to find um but the i felt like these were always available like yeah (laughs) i mean and maybe it was like they went from like being on the shelves to like being in the clearance bin <laughs> after 97 days or i don't think like it wasn't like lucasfilm like recalled them and like destroyed them like the unsold ones or anything cuz i just i just remember these being like always available and not hard to find well i wonder if they released them in like just single tapes after that and it was just this like trilogy special edition that you can only get for oh, those 97 days that seems possible um i i have a copy here of the actually I have two in this office uh two and mm. i'm in a fortunate position because um i'm the kind of person now that people if they have this has happened to me twice uh people had vhs copies of this um it's been a couple of years since it's happened to me but they're just <laughs> like hey do you want this and i'm like yes i do yeah um, i do want i do want it um and so i have uh I have two um, gold copies of the of the, the special edition trilogy here on VHS. Are those the um, is gold pan and scan and silver widescreen? That is that's that's correct. Gold is pan and scan, yeah. and silver is widescreen. And at the time, I think obviously the 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 uh, silver widescreen version would have been the ones to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, honestly, if uh, I had to choose, I would go with pan and scan because like I can watch the movies um, in widescreen. That's you know true. What I mean? like, yeah. Um, so this is, if I'm going to pop it in on VHS and watch it in oh a God. far inferior version, <laughs> uh, I might as well see like the full VHS experience and, and see it in pan and scan. You know what I mean? So um, do you, do but, you know if our, our Airbnb for celebration has a VCR? <laughs> Uh, I don't, but I'm basically planning on moving into that Airbnb for those five days. Like I'm going to be bringing, I might need to bring a trailer. Like I'm bringing so much gear. Like I'm bringing, 
every version of Star Wars Trivial Pursuit, uh, I'm bringing a ton of like recording gear, um, like my whole podcast setup and video recording setup and all that stuff is coming with me. Um, blankets, like I, I'm bringing a lot of stuff. Uh, okay. Peanut, but lots of peanut butter and jelly. Like I'm bringing a ton of stuff to this Airbnb. Okay. Um, yeah, other unmentionable uh, things that I'll be bringing. So yeah, there's gonna be a ton of stuff. Um, I, I remember when we drove to. Uh, we drove to Indianapolis in 2002 and I think specifically in 2005, I remember, um, man, we brought a ton of stuff and we were just in a hotel suite. There was quite a few of us, but, uh, I, I had a sign on the back of my station wagon and it was like celebration or bust, you know, and we had, wow. uh, I had, I might've brought my R2D2 cooler. I don't know where I would have put it, but I think I had it like displayed. So if you, you know, you could see it there and, uh, that was cool. Yeah. Anyway, Driving the celebration this year is going to be fantastic to, for just in terms of like being able to bring so much stuff I don't need to bring. Um, so yeah, I'm, I might, I might consider bringing a, a CRT TV, uh, and, and a, and a VHS, uh, player. Um, I've got one in that closet right behind me there. Um, hmm. although the VCR I could bring easily, the TV weighs about 300 pounds. So I don't know about that. <laughs> just but, uh, let's just I mean, there's probably an H. Let's just go to a Goodwill in like Oak Park or wherever we're staying, and uh, <laughs> it's not Oak Park. I forget what we're staying, but anyway, let's just like go go to a Goodwill, find some 13 inch TV. Uh-huh. Uh, we can watch them there. Pro- anyway, yeah. okay. Here's uh in 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 the cover art. This, this is the Drew Struzan mm-hmm. uh, cover art here. These are gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I love the the back of yeah. the boxes and and that old VHS like formatting and um, mm-hmm. really well designed. I think it actually looks super great uh, to this day. Yeah. Um, yeah. It looks nineties, but in a, in a really, really cool way. Um, so yeah, these are, these are fantastic. I wanted to point out too, um, since I have them out now, where did I put it? Oh yeah, here it is. Uh, whoops. Let's find both of these, um, inside the, uh, the VHS, uh, there's this one, uh, star Wars trilogy, special edition, look inside for special deals. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to open it cause it's still sealed here. You have to like, Ooh. yeah, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, may the force be with you. But if you open it up, uh, not open it, but like I can. Okay, I did this earlier and it was no big deal. Yeah, see, see, I can open it like this. Uh-huh. Um, one side is a, a special offer for a subscription to Star Wars Insider. Uh-huh. Uh, actually, both sides are. So that's what that is. But there was also this card inside, um, which on one side, uh, yeah, it's, it's well, both is uh, here's how to get your free Yoda stories and making magic. Um Whoa, like the the game Yoda stories, yeah. Oh, so I'll scan this and put this on the on the site for uh, this episode. But uh, purchase any of the following games at any software real t- retailer: Dark Forces, Rebel Assault Two, Tie Fighter, or X Wing. Mail in the completed original coupon, printed clearly. Actual dated store identified receipt showing purchase between August first, nineteen ninety seven, and March thirty first, nineteen ninety eight. So we missed the window mm-hmm. um, and the UPC code. And you send this to free Yoda stories offer PO box one, five, six, seven in Orem, Utah. And um, they are going to send you a free Yoda stories and making magic. Um, and that I think is what I was thinking of earlier. The uh, making magic behind the scenes, look at the making of the star Wars trilogy, special edition, that multimedia CD ROM set, I think is maybe where, those uh deleted scenes or some of the deleted scenes from star wars were first um viewable okay cool so yeah but anyways i just like i love 
when I popped open the the VHS set today and this little coupon fell out, I was like, oh man, I love this stuff. I love like any little little scrap of paper or any little promotional item from yeah. that era that just kind of takes me back to 97 or, you know, whatever era. Um, that's really fun. So totally. Yeah. So anyway, um, hopefully one of these days somebody will give me a silver copy of the trilogy, uh, the special edition trilogy on VHS. But yeah, uh, or I'll find one somewhere for two bucks. But. Yeah, that's a that's another uh, you know frequently uh, available at Goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Things. I don't know. Like actually, I haven't been to a Goodwill in like a couple of years, but I, hopefully they still uh, still stock VHS. Yeah, I would think they would. If you drop it off, I would think they would they would have it, but I don't know. I was uh, oh, actually, I was um we did a Goodwill drop off um a few weeks ago and um you know, they have like the giant cardboard bins that you like put your put your sorted bags into and stuff and uh we were um there was like the books and media bin and we were throwing a garbage bag full of books into there um and in on top of the on top of the the lot of stuff there there was a uh a vhs of um two beavis and butthead episodes right there oh nice yeah nice. and i was like man it would have been unethical to snag that but yeah uh... well like i was telling Lindsay, i was like can i just like ask to buy this like <laughs> can i just like give them a dollar 99 like right now like to have yeah. this um yeah. But she was uh, not a fan of yeah. making that purchase or inquiring about that purchase. Yeah, or being the kind of person who wanted to get that Beavis and Butthead VHS <laughs> yeah, tape yeah. Yeah. from a Goodwill. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, right on. Um, I have a small. I have a small collection of, uh, of VHS tapes. Um, you know, they're fun to have. Like, they're they're definitely there's something about them. You know, yeah. there's something about watching them, and there's something also about just you know holding on to one so um mm-hmm. they're cool and uh there's an instagram account i follow which is really cool um this artist from carbondale illinois um home of southern illinois university i think the handle on instagram is vhs girl but she gets like uh wood blocks that are in the aspect ratio uh or similar aspect ratio or whatever of a of a vhs tape and she just like paints the covers of vhs tapes onto these wood blocks and sells them um and they're really cool you know it's like wow. a homemade looking version of but there's so many vhs covers that are just like iconic that people Mm -hmm. know and remember you know yeah so um yeah that's really cool yeah i always i always hate like when things get released on dvd or blu-ray and like when it is like those iconic covers and then like it's not that cover when like films from like the 80s and 90s when they come out and you're like this is wrong like yeah like this is not how Independence Day should look. <laughs> like, right. should not be the first thing I I see. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right on. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, another thing that took place in 1997, which is huge, is the beginning of production of Episode One, uh, mm-hmm. The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. But at the time, obviously, just known as Episode One. Um, Early in the year, there were casting rumors floating around, um, rumors about Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, Samuel L. Jackson, um, all of whom would be, of course, cast in the film. I'm sure there were rumors from that time about actors that didn't actually end up being in the movie, too, um, though I don't remember those um, anymore. But uh, I'm sure there was all kinds of, you know, people talking and and uh, that sort of thing about um, 
you know, that's, you know, who could end up being in the new Star Wars. Um, but uh, obviously, all of those names did end up being in the new Star Wars movies. So um, that was happening earlier in the year. Uh, but then by June 26th, the first day of principal photography on The Phantom Menace was taking place. So, um, it, and it was Darth Maul and uh, Darth Sidious conspiring on the balcony in Coruscant. And um, if you listen to our recent episode about the Phantom Menace behind the scenes documentary, The Beginning, um, there is uh, there's some footage of that, that first day of filming that takes place there. So it was all on Coruscant. And I think the first shot was Maul Insidious, but um, there must have been some Padme and I think Anakin stuff being shot that day too. Um, at least that's the way the beginning makes it seem because there's some footage in of, of George and Rick McCollum sort of walking home or walking off set that night and talking about how the day went and, and that sort of thing. And they were talking about um, uh, Jake and Jake Lloyd's performance and uh, Natalie Portman's performance as well. So, But anyway, Phantom Menace started production on the 26th and it started on Coruscant. Um, uh, we also, I think this came out of the year by year book, but, um, production of episode one moved to Italy in July and, uh, they were doing the Naboo, uh, some new Naboo sequences there. Um, and I guess there was a press conference the, that day, or at least in that time period in Italy. And, uh, man, how great would that be to, uh, to see footage of that? But I looked, I couldn't find it. I looked too. Yeah, it was uh, apparently George just uh, talking to the press and telling them about what the Phantom Menace is going to be. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, the uh, and then September 29th, kind of last thing here about uh, Phantom Menace, the first phase of principal photography wrapped on episode one. Um, but uh, I guess like second unit um, stuff continued to be filmed after that. Um, specifically with Nick Gilliard uh, mm-hmm. overseeing or, or working on that, I guess. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure, like, what, what's the second phase of Phantom Menace filming and, and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, it looks like they, they shot for a couple months in, in 97, and that's probably the primary. Um, we could look at the making of Phantom Menace and, and learn more about that, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. um, primary kind of um, – filming period for Phantom Menace was was this year in 97 so we got the special editions in the theaters huge deal and then also um you know what would become the Phantom Menace um probably the most monumental uh period uh, of Star Wars for my life personally um was you know that groundwork was being laid or that movie was being made uh Mm -hmm. in this year as well so 97 obviously a giant year for Star Wars. The stars of Star Wars came together for a re-premiere in Los Angeles this weekend. The 1977 blockbuster is being re-released with updated special effects. Original cast members Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher joined series creator and producer George Lucas for Saturday's premiere. At the time when it came out, I said, I don't, I'm not happy with this. Are you happy now? I'm happy now. It's a cultural phenomenon. It always was. It speaks to every generation, and I think it's probably because fairy tales are timeless. I think your hairdo was the most talked about hairdo in a film. I know. I can recreate it right now. That's right. Well, we can put these little things up here. Now I have those buns down where they belong. Lucas is also working on a new installment in the Star Wars series. All right. Uh, well, let's jump into games and uh, talk about the, the the handful of Star Wars games coming out there. 
um, in 97. And again, Ryan, I feel like I have to defer to you on this one. Um, I, I've played a little bit of Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2, which came out um, that year. And uh, the other big games are X-Wing versus TIE Fighter and Masters of Terrace Kasi for the PlayStation. Um, and then also uh, there was a Star Wars Monopoly game released uh, for DOS that year as well. So, um, But uh, yeah, like I said, I've, I've played a little bit of Dark Forces 2. Um, I actually played the first sequence in that uh, a week or two ago to prep. Um, but other than that, I haven't really played too many of these. So I have a feeling you were probably playing Dark Forces 2 for sure in 97. I have a feeling you were playing X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Um, no, I, I haven't no. actually played X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Um, so obviously like the X-Wing games and the TIE Fighter game, um, those came out, um, in years past and they're very beloved. Um, and partially is because they have, um, like missions and stories and characters. Uh, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter is, um, does not have story missions. Um, what it does have is, first of all, it's um, it has 3D graphics. So um, if you have a 3D card in your computer in 1997, you can see some like sweet polygonal um, X-wings and Tie Fighters. Um, whereas like the previous games were like sprite based, um, this is like the first uh, X-wing Tie Fighter game that's. Uh, in the series, at least, that's um, 3D. Um, and it's... The game is designed for, um, like, practice, so you can just play um, random missions and um, fight bots. Or it's the first game in the series um, made for online multiplayer, um, which was starting to become a thing... Um, like on PC in this era and um there there was like definitely a time period where um companies were just releasing, you know, multiplayer only um iterations of uh of their games, games designed to be, you know, just co- competitive or co- cooperative multiplayer stuff like you know, in the in the first person shooter space on PC, um, where, well, I guess it's like a couple years later, but you'd see like stuff like Unreal Tournament and Quake Three, um, kind of with that focus on um, the online multiplayer aspect, and that's kind of what X Wing versus Tie Fighter is. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, yeah, like I said, I tried to play, um, you know, a little bit of X-Wing and TIE Fighter, uh, on my PC more recently and, you know, just a little too simmy and stuff for me. So, um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I guess that makes sense as an evolution of, of that concept, right. To, to, you know, move it into like an online realm. So, um, I don't know if it's groundbreaking at the time, would you say like kind of groundbreaking or at least like very much, uh, at the front of that curve, I guess you'd say. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I would, I would say so. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um. So that that launched in April. Then, um, September thirtieth, we got one of the best uh, Star Wars games ever made. 
um, a personal favorite of mine, uh, Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. Again, this is taking, um, this is like LucasArts being, um, you know, maybe not so much ahead of the curve, but like definitely um, on the curve. Um, and this is a sequel to Dark Forces, um, but it is uh, full 3D. Once again, um, basically requiring the use of a 3D graphics card um, in your computer, which were definitely a novelty um, at the time. They were not something that uh, most computers came equipped with standard, so you'd have to go uh, go to your local uh, Best Buy or CompUSA and, uh, and purchase... Um, a 3D graphics card to plug in to your motherboard and then, you know, connect your monitor to that. Um, but yeah, Jedi Knight uh, Dark Forces 2 has uh, full 3D graphics and um, yeah, it was like a really, really huge deal um, at the time. Like this was one of... Uh, if not the biggest um, PC game of 97. Yeah. Yeah, this is one where... I actually have this for GameCube, um, and I've well, You have it, Jedi Knight 2 for GameCube. Oh, my God. That's not what we're talking about here? No, this is Dark Forces oh, 2. okay. Jedi Knight. You are, oh, my gosh. So when did Jedi Knight 2 come out? Uh, Jedi Knight 2 was, like, 99 or 2000. You know what, Ryan? Hmm. That makes a lot of sense because I'm playing Jedi Knight 2 and I'm like, man, this looks really modern. You know, like, it looks really <laughs> good. Like, I'm like, how did this happen in 97? Uh, okay. All right. So I need to go back and try out Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here because I would have totally talked about the wrong game. <laughs> oh, well, like, uh, Jedi Knight 2 is awesome. And I hope uh, uh, we will get to. Uh, talk about that game um eventually um it's also much more accessible than uh jedi knight um this is a game i have never finished um because like i i played this like when it um shortly after it released um and oh my goodness this game gets like so hard um towards the end um there is a lot of like ridiculous um platforming uh later in the game and it becomes uh extremely challenging um and yeah but other than that like it's uh it's a great game it has ridiculous uh fmv cutscenes um again like uh think like rebel assault rebel assault 2 um a lot of that uh, tech is happening, mixing uh, computer graphics with um, live action characters is uh, is definitely going on here, um, and it's uh, it's really cool. Hmm, nice, yeah. Um, okay, well, I'll have to check that out for sure. Uh, speaking of games that look really nice and really cool. Uh, Masters of Terrascasi. Were you playing this one in ninety seven? Uh, no, I was not playing it in ninety seven. I have my uh, my copy of it 
right here right now though um i have uh i purchased it for playstation um i don't know years ago um i finally mm-hmm. picked up a copy it's uh it's a it's a legendary uh, bad fighting game from an era where every other game was a bad fighting game uh we went from a bunch of uh bad street fighter and mortal Kombat clones on um like snes and uh sega genesis in like the early 90s to um a bunch of bad uh virtual fighter and tekken clones uh on the 3d consoles um you know after playstation saturn and 64 came out uh masters of Terrascasi is the bad uh star wars uh 3d fighting game um which isn't really that bad um it's goofy as heck um it's the biggest issue for me um playing it is it's just kind of slow and unresponsive um compared to stuff like virtual fighter and tekken which still like i think hold up really well um yeah it's just it's extremely um extremely just like slow and like the the animation isn't great but um it does have a a few cool things um going for it um there's like i really like the stage backgrounds in the game um there's some some really cool ones um the character models actually look uh pretty good um for you know a 1997 uh ps1 um game and uh and then there's just like the like absolute like goofiness and insanity of like you know being luke skywalker and like fighting against chewbacca and like hitting him with your lightsaber over and over again and stuff um yeah do you ever like to do a forward square triangle when you're playing as chewbacca uh, chewbacca and just like nail one of those massive gorilla slaps would you say (laughs) uh sure i mean you're that's all you got to do is forward square and then triangle and you can do like a brutal gorilla slap as chewbacca okay well Um, i i prefer uh you doing the uh toward square triangle triangle square triangle the wookiee uh chain starter okay um okay but then also, uh, he, if you do a Hadouken uh, with triangle, so down. Uh, oh, Ryan, don't even don't even try to tell me. I don't. You don't need to tell me that that is going to shoot your bowcaster straight. Yeah. Well, yeah. Obviously, yeah. you know, um, you're yeah. like a big part of the fighting game community. Uh, <laughs> you have played this at Evo um, four years in a row. Um, yeah, but when when I when I played at Evo, I usually I main Boba Fett. Okay, and what I do there is I, I like spam the up X over and over because mm-hmm. I just have to hit that satisfying double knee drop. You know, um, yeah, big big into the double double knee drop from from Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah, but um, I think like when talking about Masters of Terrascasi, um we would be remiss uh, not to mention Arden Lynn. Um, uh-huh. who is the original character uh, created just for this game. Um, she is a Terrascasi master. Um, and I will read her uh, 
her character bio from the instruction book here. Um, As the Order of Jedi resurfaces, so do the teachings of Teres Kasi in the form of Arden Lin, master of Teres Kasi, a Palawan warrior from the time of Jedi. Her youthfulness belies her actual age. Her skills as one of the last Tereskasi masters has attracted the attention of the Emperor and Darth Vader, who have assigned her to track down and take out key Rebel Alliance personnel. Arden, however, has her own agenda. Mm, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's quite a story. Um, a little confusing there. She's a Palawan warrior from the time of Jedi. What, is that, what does that mean? I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, did you did you check out there that too that that her weapon uh, is an ancient droid arm? Ancient droid arm is her weapon. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I don't know what that means exactly. Ancient droid arm. But um, yeah, um, I, she must have I think popped up in other EU stuff. I'm assuming because that name I'm like really familiar with, uh, or it sounds very familiar. I guess I should say Arden Lynn. I think like I, I think she might just be famous for. Um being a master of Tereskasi. I mean, that's enough to make you famous for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this game, uh, <laughs> the character selection screen is fantastic as well. And this game shows the Dejaric table. And then like the characters you're choosing, mm-hmm. there's these like, giant portraits of them. In yes. the and they show up as holographs on the Dejaric table, which is really cool. Um, no, this is, uh, I never actually got this game. I had a PlayStation for a, a brief period of time. Uh, in the late 90s i don't know if i had one in 97 or not but i bought one from a friend and then ended up selling it like a year later i didn't keep it for that long but um i vividly remember being on a camping trip in arizona with my dad and my aunt and uncle and my little brother and i had a copy of like game pro or i don't know um probably egm or something like that uh, but a video game magazine and there was a write-up on terrace Cassie and there was like a preview or whatever and i remember like talking about that the whole weekend like and my uncle that I was with is a game developer. Well, he was a game developer and he worked for rainbow studios in, uh, Arizona and they actually made racer revenge. Um, this is before that obviously, but he would go on to work on racer revenge, which, um, which rules that game is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I, but he was like, you know, into games or, uh, what have you? We worked in games, so I was like talking to him this whole weekend about this game, Masters of Terrascasi. It's gonna be so good, you know. And I was like really excited about the idea because you know it's a great concept, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, I think by the time it came out, I had kind of realized maybe it wasn't gonna be the best game or something. I don't know, or maybe I just didn't have a PlayStation. But mm-hmm. anyway, this one slipped past me. But um, certainly, it, you know, like you said, probably not a great game, but at least. Um, pretty pretty interesting artifact from that time mm-hmm. uh, again for sure yeah so. um again yeah. there is um being that this is a weird star wars thing there is a blast points episode about it um uh-huh. which is a pretty pretty fantastic uh episode Give, going more into like the detail and the development of the game and everything so definitely check that out will do Cool. Well, I've heard it, but yeah. uh, we'll try to post it in the show notes. So, yeah. Um, nice. Okay. Last one here is Star Wars Monopoly. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I haven't played it. I did download. You can actually, so I downloaded the, um, 
the manual from Masters of Terrace Kasi mm. from archive.org. And uh, maybe I'll post that uh, up on the page for this episode. But uh, also downloaded Star Wars Monopoly, um, I think from archive.org. I think it's up there. Yeah, pretty sure that's where I got it. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't end up getting, you know, you have to you have to run like a DOS emulator or something. DOS box, uh, probably. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So um, I didn't end up getting it r- uh, running um, in time to play it for the show. But, you know, it's there was like CD-ROM or whatever versions of, monopoly games out at the time and i read a little bit about it and um i will uh, i'll post a link to the article i read uh about the game in the show notes as well from a website called oldgames.com which itself looks pretty old mm-hmm. uh, but there's some screen grabs in there and stuff like that and um yeah it sounds like it, it was uh pretty decent um anthony daniels apparently narrates uh, throughout your game and uh you know as c3po so um that's cool and uh what else there was like some number of yeah 150 video clips and sound bites from the original trilogy throughout the experience of playing the game so um yeah it's just like a virtual version of monopoly but it's in 3d and uh features what at the time would have been some pretty impressive um visuals i think it's like a floating it's like a a monopoly board like floating you know um in space sort of thing but uh looks like different camera angles and stuff kind of zooms way in close up on on your uh your characters and instead of like being you know pewter uh characters that you would move around on the board or whatever they're like fully animated 3d uh character models and um yeah i mean it i think it probably would have been really cool in 97 and um like i said it's uh you can download it uh, pretty easily online and if you have the capability to run DOS games, you can probably check this out. And uh, yeah, looks looks like a pretty cool thing. So I know a lot of people, including myself, enjoy um, just like standard Star Wars Monopoly. It's fun to do, uh, you know, add a little Star Wars flair to to something like that. So uh, virtual version of that. And I think in 97, this would have been obviously a pretty cool thing. Yeah, yeah. Bring it to Switch. Dude. <laughs> Yeah, um, I would love a virtual version of Star Wars Monopoly on Switch. I would love, or, or just on a game console, um, uh-huh. would really love Star Wars Trivial Pursuit in some sort of virtual uh, or, or yeah. you know, video game version. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. And, and Ryan, uh, it's not a video game, but um, Star Wars Risk, Black Series Risk came out, I think, like last year maybe. Um, and Ooh. I've never gotten into Risk. But no. appa- apparently the Star Wars version is not just like standard Risk, but they've kind of like adapted the game sort of to make it. Um, I mean, obviously the content is Star Wars theme, but mm-hmm. um, it's like a different version of Risk. So uh, that's one I've been meaning to pick up as well. Can it, so. can it be played in like shorter play sessions yeah yeah that's that I don't the know. big that question for me because i can't i can't can't hang with the the eight hour, eight hour board game yeah. sesh yeah. Yeah. uh yeah. these days but yeah that's that's cool i'm curious about that yeah star wars they're coming in too fast 20 years ago it was the number one movie in the country last weekend history repeated itself as millions of people joined the celebration. You're braver than I thought. And made it the number one movie. I knew you could do it. I could do it. Well, I'm gonna let you get all the credit. All over again. Come on, R2. We're going. Star Wars, the special edition. Now playing on the big screen.
Okay, we're going to mm-hmm. jump into comics. Um, and this is kind of more your thing, Ryan, the comics, but quite a few series going on here too. Crimson Empire, classic Star Wars, Han Solo at Star's End, classic Star Wars, The Early Adventures. These are just Dark Horse, uh, Dark Horse republishing, I think, the early um, Marvel uh, Star Wars comics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Dark Horse Rising, Tales of the Jedi, and The Last Command. So all those series were, were being put out by Dark Horse in 97. So, uh, yeah, tell us about uh, Star Wars comics from 97, Ryan. Okay. What's your take on these? So, first of all, um, Han Solo at Star's End. Brian Daly was the author of the original Han Solo trilogy. That's right. Yes, yes, my bad. Yep, yep. And that's the one I read last year, uh, Han Solo at Star's End, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, what's interesting, uh, it looks like most of these are adaptations or reprints, um, and yeah, like actually all of them are adaptations or reprints, um, except for Crimson Empire. Um, Crimson Empire Zero is interesting because it is the first, uh, Star Wars webcomic on StarWars.com. Um, and it's meant to kind of preview, um, the whole, uh, Crimson Empire um series and like those characters which i am you know crimson empire is definitely one of like the most uh at least crimson empire one is one of the most uh beloved um dark horse uh comics series um for sure it's um about a uh like rogue uh uh emperor's guard um and uh yeah really really cool stuff there um crimson empire issue one debuted on december 7th um and then the rest of these um you know han solo at star's end is the adaptation of um the first brian daly book um classic star wars the early adventures um seems to be uh oh russ manning um so it's uh it's those um stories um dark force rising is an adaptation of the uh the novel um we got tales of the jedi books um continuing and then last command uh issues one and two dropped and those are um the comic adaptations of the uh that book in the throne trilogy the timothy zahn original throne trilogy so um yeah i think like crimson empire is probably the probably the highlight of 97 probably the most important um release then whoops yeah sorry i muted myself there for a second um (laughs) yeah so i was just saying that um stuff like uh you know, Crimson Empire and Tales of the Jedi would be more representative of what was going on in the 90s, uh, or not in the 90s, but in 1997 as far as Star Wars comics storytelling with the rest of it being more, you know, um, adaptation, uh, basically, uh, adaptations of of other stories and stuff like that, so. Yeah. Or just reissues, yeah. And um, to to clarify, like, Tales of the Jedi is, like, the the Old Republic um, stuff happening there so i'm not sure like what uh what story they're on at this point but um it's all that uh 
Knights of the Old Republic stuff happening. Gotcha. Cool. So there's so much good stuff to talk about in 1997 that Ryan and I actually ended up recording for over two hours. Um, So we're going to split this one up into two episodes. So check back in later this week and we will put up part two of our Power of the 90s episode for 1997. Until then, you can check out everything we do at blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. If you have um, thoughts or memories from 1997 that you'd like to share, uh, favorite moments, whatever it might be, definitely send those along to blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com and uh, please subscribe on itunes or youtube if you're enjoying the show and can always leave a review on itunes as well so uh like i said we'll be back later in the week with part two of power of the 90s for 1997 and um and more blockhead runner podcast uh to follow after that thanks so much for listening and we'll be back soon